In his second letter to Timothy, the Apostle Paul writes these words, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and by his kingdom, preach the word. Be urgent, in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, and exhort. Be unfailing in patience and in teaching. This is In Season and Out of Season, a Bible teaching ministry with Father Tom DiLorenzo. Good day, it's Father Tom, and I'm glad to be with you today. In season and out of season. I want you to pray for Father Matt today. He's been ordained 19 years today. God works through him powerfully. So keep Father Matt in your prayers today, in season and out of season. You know, I chose this name because God calls us to preach always, whether we are on the mountain or in the valley, whether we are in season or out of season. God calls us to preach the cross no matter what happens, no matter how we feel, no matter where we are. And I know that to be true. I know that to be true. I often said to people at Holy Rosary today, I'm not feeling too well. And they said, then you're going to speak so powerfully. You always do when you're not feeling so well. You see, God knows how to do things. That's the whole thing. God knows how to do things. I'm looking at the 19th chapter of Acts of the Apostles. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the interior regions and came to Ephesus, where he found some disciples. He said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? I'm going to ask you the same thing. Did you receive the Holy Spirit experientially? Oh, yes, we received the Holy Spirit at baptism. But have you experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? I tell you, we need an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. We need that the kingdom of God would be proclaimed because the kingdom of God is in the Holy Spirit. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? They replied, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Well, most places know that there is a Holy Spirit, but have not experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. On Sunday, Pope Francis spoke about the Holy Spirit being the power of God. Oh, yes. And it's for everyone to experience. Everyone, that's you. That's me. That's us. You fathers know how to give good things to your children. If they ask you for a piece of bread, you don't give them a stone. If they ask you for a piece of meat, you don't give them a scorpion. How much more will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Much more, much more. So we ask for the Holy Spirit, Lord. Then he said, into what were you baptized into? They answered, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, 
That is Jesus. Remember, John says, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus. John was ordained to proclaim the coming of the Lord. What about us? Are we proclaiming the coming of the Lord in glory? And are we proclaiming the coming of the Lord as we preach the gospel? How we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How I need more of the Holy Spirit. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. How did he know that? Because they start speaking in tongues and prophesying. Altogether, there were about 12 people there. How we need the Holy Spirit. Now, these 12 people are being chosen to go out and preach the gospel with the power of God in the Holy Spirit. We know that Pentecost was the giving of the law, and on the giving of the law came the Holy Spirit, the giving of the Holy Spirit, how we need the church filled with the Holy Spirit. I remember Father uh, John, and he wrote a book, No Spirit, No Church, because the Spirit and the Bride, the Church, say come. No spirit, no church. That's real. He entered the synagogue and for three months spoke boldly and argued pervasively about the kingdom of God when some stubbornly refused to believe and spoke evil of the way before the congregation. He left them, taking the disciples with him that they argued daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This continued for two years, so that all the residents of Asia, both Jew and Greek, heard the word of the Lord. Two years preaching. I only have a half an hour. But I've been doing this by God's grace for 38 years. Two years preaching. Paul was preaching for two years. Oh, yes. He preached about the cross. He preached about the resurrection. He preached about how to live in Christ. Oh, yes, how we need to have the Holy Spirit so that we live in Jesus Christ. Verse 11. God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that when the handkerchief, handkerchiefs or aprons that had touched his skin were brought to the sick, their diseases left them. Imagine, just like Peter. The shadow of Peter would heal people. The handkerchiefs and cloths that touched Paul would bring healing to the sick. How we need to know that God has not changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. 
Then some itinerant Jewish exorcists tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, I adjure you by Jesus, whom Paul proclaims, seven sons of the Jewish high priest named Sceva were doing this. But the evil spirit said to them in reply, Jesus I know, and Paul I know. But who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit leapt on them and mastered them all and overpowered them that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. When this became known to all the residents of Ephesus, both Jew and Greeks, everyone was awestruck, and the name of the Lord Jesus was praised. Also many of those who became believers confessed and disclosed their practices. A number of those who practiced magic collected their books and burned them publicly. When the value of these books was calculated, it was found to come to 50,000 silver coins. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. What about your bookshelf? What do you have on it? Well, you know, I, I was interested when I was young in witchcraft. I used to listen to Harry Potter. I tell you, Harry Potter is first degree witch teaching people how to curse people. How we need to burn those books, to throw them away, to tear them up. How we need never to go see Madame Fufu again. I told you what her telephone number is, 1-800-GO-TO-HELL. Madame Fufu. Oh, she'll tell me what I want to hear. She'll tell you what the devil wants you to hear. How sad, how sad. Now after these things had been accomplished, Paul resolved in the spirit to go through Macedonia and Achaia and then to go on to Jerusalem. He said, after I have gone there, I must also see Rome. So he sent two of his helpers Timothy and Erastus to Macedonia while he himself stayed for some time longer in Asia. About that time, no little disturbance broke out concerning the way, that's Jesus' way, that's Christianity. A man named Demetrius, a silversmith who made silver shrines of Artemis brought no little business to the Artesians. These he gathered together with the workers of the same trade and said, Men, you know that we get our wealth from this business. I tell you, it's always been a business. We get our wealth from the statues of Artemis. Oh yeah, she's the great Artemis of Ephesus. She's a demon. That's what she is. She's a demon. Men, you know that we get our wealth from this business. You can also see in here that not only in Ephesus, but in almost the whole of Asia, this Paul has persuaded 
and drawn away a considerable number of people by saying that gods made with hands are not gods at all. They're not gods at all. And there is a danger, not only that this trade of ours may come into disrepute, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be scorned, and she will be deprived of her majesty that brought all to Asia and the world to worship her. They're looking for money. They don't care about Artemis. Artemis is a demon. They don't care about Artemis. They care about their pocketbooks. Because Paul is saying that God does not dwell in statues made by human hands. When they heard this, they were enraged and shouted, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. The city was filled with confusion, and people rushed together to the theater, dragging with them Gaius, Aristarchus, the Macedonians, who were Paul's travel companions. Paul wished to go into the crowd, but the disciples would not let him. Why, they would tear him apart. Even some officials of the province of Asia, who were friendly to him, sent him a message urging him not to venture into the theater. Meanwhile, some were shouting one thing, some were shouting another, for the assembly was in confusion, and most of them did not know why they had come together. Some of the crowd gave instructions to Alexander, whom the Jews had pushed forward, and Alexander motioned and tried to make a defense before the people. But when they recognized that he was a Jew, for about two hours, all of them shouted in unison. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want to hear about Jesus. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. But when the town clerk had quieted the crowd, he said, Citizens of Ephesus, who is there that does not know that the city of the Ephesians is the temple keeper of the great Artemis and that the statue that fell from heaven, yeah, fell from heaven, all right. Somebody made it with their hands and said it fell from heaven. Since these things cannot be denied, you ought to be quiet and do, not, do nothing rash. You have brought these men here who are neither temple robbers nor blasphemers of our goddess. If therefore Demetrius and the artisans with him have a complaint against anyone, they should go to the courts, for the courts are open, and there are proconsuls. Let them bring charges there against one another. If there is anything further you want to know, it must be settled in regular assembly, for we are in danger of being charged with rioting today, since there is no cause that we can give to justify this commotion. When he had said this, he dismissed the assemblies. Now, they started a commotion. You know who starts a commotion in these days? The pro-death people. They start a commotion. They don't want the truth to be said. They start a commotion. 
If the pro-life people ever did what they did, it would be on the front page of the globe. But these people start a commotion because they do not want to see the dissolveness of uh, Roe versus Wade. Chapter 20. After the uproar had ceased, Paul sent for the disciples after encouraging them and saying farewell. He left for Macedonia, that's Philippi, when he had gone through these regions and had given the believers much encouragement. He came to Greece where he stayed for three months. What do you think he's doing in Greece for three months? Enjoying the sun? Preaching the gospel. He was about to set sail for Syria when a plot was made against him by the Jews, and so he decided to return through Macedonia. He was accompanied by Sopatus and Procurus from Berea and Aristarchus and Secundus from Thessalonica, by Gaius from Derby and by Timothy, as well as Tychicus and Trophimus from Asia, they were they went ahead and were waiting for us in Troas, but we sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread. Listen to this. We sailed after the days of unleavened bread. They're Jews. The Christians were Jews, fulfilled Jews. They did not give up the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They did not give up what the angel of death did to the Egyptians. They did not give it up. They were thrown out of Judaism. They did not give it up. As a matter of fact, today there are Jewish people who are coming to know the Messiah. And if they know the Messiah, they're Christians. They're Christians. Let's continue. But we sailed from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we joined them in Troas, where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week, when we met to break bread, Eucharist, first day of the week, Sunday, the day of the resurrection, Paul was holding a discussion with them. Since he intended to leave the next day, he continued speaking until midnight. Paul preached until midnight. He's going to be leaving these people. There were many lamps in the room upstairs where we were meeting. A young man named Eutychus, who was sitting in the window, began to sing off into a deep sleep while Paul talked still longer. Overcome by sleep, he fell to the ground three floors below and was picked up dead. But Paul went down and holding over him, took him in his arms and said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. Then Paul went upstairs and after he had broken bread, Eucharist, and eaten, he continued to converse with them until dawn. Then he left. 
Meanwhile, they had taken the boy away, alive, and were not a little comforted. Raised from the dead. Raised from the dead. Paul had that power. I've raised people from the dead spiritually by the grace of God, but never physically, not yet, not yet. I have to be open to God. At one time, Jack Benoit would say, what about the raising people from the dead? I would say, that's impossible. No longer do I say that's impossible. I say God knows how to do things. And if I'm in the in the experience of a dead person and God wants to bring them back, he'll be brought back. Let's continue. He continued to converse with them until dawn. Then he left. Meanwhile, they had taken the boy away alive and were not a little comforted. We went ahead to the ship and set sail for Assos, intending to take Paul on board there, for he had made this arrangement, intending to go with them by land himself. When he met us in Assos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. We sailed from there, and on the following day we arrived opposite Chios. The next day we touched Samos, and the day after that we came to Miletus, for Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia. He was eager to go to Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. See, they're still Jews. Paul still is a Jew who has been fulfilled. This is real. The Christians became Jews, fulfilled Jews, Jews and Greeks alike. Chapter 20, verse 17. From Miletus, he sent a message to Ephesus asking the elders of the church to meet him. When they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived among you the entire time from my first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears, enduring the trials that came to me through the plots of the Jews. I did not shrink from doing anything helpful, proclaiming the message to you and teaching you publicly and from house to house as I testified to both Jews and Greeks about repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now as a captive to the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me that in every city that imprisonment and persecutions are waiting for me. But I do not count my life of any value of itself, if only I may finish the course and the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the good news of God's grace. He doesn't care about his life. He cares about the proclamation. 
how we need preachers like that who care about the proclamation and don't care about their lives. Oh, I'm not saying you don't take care of your life. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that preaching must be first, must be first to touch people so that they would give their lives to Jesus. And now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will ever see my face again. In other words, he's leaving Ephesus. Therefore, I declare to you this day that I am not responsible for the blood of any of you, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole purpose of God. Keep watch over yourselves and over the flock by which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God that he obtained with the blood of his own Son. I know that after I have gone, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Some even from your own group will come distorting the truth in order to entice the disciples to follow them. Therefore be alert remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to warn everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the message of his grace, a message that is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. I coveted no person's silver or gold or clothing. You know for yourselves that I worked with my own hands making tents to support myself and my companions. In all this, I have given you an example that by such remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, who himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Well, you know what? Our radio ministry needs to hear that because we are lacking in funds. Father Tom, Post Office Box 602, East Boston, Mass, 02128. Father Tom, Post Office Box 602, East Boston, Mass, 02128. God bless you. This has been In Season and Out of Season with Father Tom DiLorenzo. A tape of this week's series of messages is available to you with a donation when you write to this new address, Father Tom DiLorenzo, P.O. Box 602, East Boston, Mass., 02128. Please make a note of it. And remember that this ministry is supported only by the donations of listeners, so please help as the Lord leads you. That new address again is Father Tom DiLorenzo, P.O. Box 602, East Boston, Mass., 02128. And be sure to listen again next time for In Season and Out of Season. Oh.